Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible-Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible-Centered with Victor Jackson. Thank you so much uh, for taking time to join us. So thankful for what God is doing as we have been going through the scriptures verse by verse. And um, I am so thankful for what God did yesterday as we uh, dove really deep into God's word in that transition point of uh, Matthew 16. Now we're in Matthew 17. Um, let's read a few scriptures, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. and Behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they were, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. I am speaking today on Matthew uh, chapter 17, verse 1 through 13. And Matthew 16 is the transition point in the Gospels where everything was about the kingdom of God leading up to Matthew 16. But from Matthew 16 to Matthew 28, what you're going to see is everything is being fast-paced towards the cross. And in the cross, there is fulfillment where God takes upon himself the penalty of our sins where the wrath of God is poured out on the body 
of Jesus Christ upon that cross and that he became a curse for us. What we see as we are hastening to the cross, we see that there is a transfiguration moment. The theme of Matthew is fulfillment. And this transfiguration moment, a lot of people don't talk about, but it is very significant uh, to Matthew's gospel um, because he is showing the superiority of Jesus to Moses and to Elijah. And why would he do this? Fulfillment. He is showing them that do not take your trust in the law, Moses, or in the prophets, Elijah. The only thing that's going to remain is going to be Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, let's get into it. In six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. Now we get to see that there is a the circle of 12 with Jesus. Now we see a smaller circle that is trusted to come to the high mountain apart. Not everyone was trusted with this experience. Not everyone was trusted with this moment. Um, I don't know what qualified them, but evidently there was something that they could handle that the other disciples could not handle. It says that, and he was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. Now we have to spend time in verse two because what a, what a, what a powerful moment because the word transfigured is the Greek word metamorpho, which is to change form according to an inner reality. Ah, I want you to catch this. He was transfigured, metamorpho, that what was within him the inner reality that was in him was visible in his form. So he is, Jesus Christ is the express image of the invisible God. Within him is the spirit without measure. And what is within him in this moment, the glory that is in him is now visible in his form. So the light that is in him is now visible for them to see. Metamorpho is where we also get the same word where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transfigured and the word transformed is the same Greek word. That as Christ's inner glory was visible externally, even so the, the mind of Christ 
and what is within us, the change that is within us will show itself visibly to those around us. In this moment, Jesus, in all that he said and all that he is, his inner glory is seen by the disciples. He gives them a glimpse into the future. He gives them a glimpse into what it's going to look like when he is in his resurrected body. He gives them a glimpse of what's going to happen after the cross. Everything that is in him, he shows it to them where they're able to see what's on the outside, the metamorpho, where the inner takes over the outer. This is really a message. You can see many types and shadows and similarities with holiness. That holiness is what is what's happening on the inside, which overtakes the body on the outside. And what you see on the outside is what you're supposed to, what's supposed to be on the inside. So how I dress and how I talk and how I behave, it is reflective of an inner reality. The metamorpho, the, the change that happened in my heart, you can see it on the outside. You see it in the way that I love. You see it in the way that I treat people. You see in the way that I dress modestly uh, because I am reflecting the glory that is in me. As, as the writer said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so people are supposed to see glory, the metamorpho, that the change is not supposed to just stay in the heart. It's supposed to be visible somewhere. Um, it's some people say, well, I'm changed. I'm changed. I'm changed. But the Bible says that ye shall know them by their fruits. So what's happening on the inside is not supposed to stay on the inside. It is supposed to metamorpho. It is supposed to change your form where people can see a visible change. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Christianity, that when you come to God, we are not supposed to say the same. We're not supposed to be the same. We're not supposed to walk the same, talk the same, or dress the same way as the world, but we are supposed to reflect this inner glory, this metamorpho, that our outer form is consistent with an inner reality. That's what the metamorpho is. So Jesus gives the disciples a glimpse of the glory that is to come, and he gives them a glimpse not from something externally, but from something that's already within him. He pulls out what's in him and allows them to see what's in him. And he's saying, this is what's going to happen after I die, I'm buried, and I rise again the third day. This is what glory that it's going to look like. And he gives them this glimpse because he's getting them ready for the, the cross. He gives them a glimpse of what's going to be after the cross to help them sustain the pain that's about to come with the cross. So what God likes to do is he likes giving glimpses of the promise before you have to endure the pain of process for the promise to be fulfilled. 
and he gives you the glimpse so you can munch on it and chew on it. So when the pain comes, you already see where you're going to be and you're able to push through and not give up or be discouraged. And so God likes giving glimpses of his glory. God never gives shows you the whole, uh, as it were, the whole enchilada. He doesn't show you uh, the whole thing. He'll show you a bean. <laughs> He'll show you a piece because if you see it all, you're going to run from it. He doesn't show you the whole staircase because some of those stair some of those stairs is going to have pain, depression, betrayal, hurt, heartache. So what he'll do is he'll show you the first step of obedience. Watch this. And then he'll show you the final step. And he wants the glimpse of the final step to help you through the hell that it takes for you to get there. Because if he showed you all of it, you would run. But he shows you a glimpse to help you have the discipline and the fortitude to overcome the hell that it takes for a promise to get accomplished. See, God just shows Joseph the dream. He doesn't show him the pit, the, the Potiphar's house. He doesn't show his brother's betrayal. He doesn't show the prison. He just shows him the glimpse of the dream. But the glimpse of the dream was sufficient to get him out of the pit. Y'all going to throw me out of here this morning. The glimpse of the dream was sufficient to get him out of Potiphar's house to hold on to his integrity. The glimpse of the dream was sufficient to not fall into depression while he's in the prison. And it is the glimpse of the dream that he believed in that allowed him to get through the 13 years of hell that came after the glimpse. God will give you a glimpse to give you the fortitude to get through the process of fulfillment. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And, and, and something is happening after the glimpse there's there is something happening in that process that there is a character formation in this process. David gets a glimpse of the anointing, yet yet he does not see Saul trying to kill him. He does not see his brothers not believing in him. He does not see his Goliath. He does not see himself running into caves. He does not see himself being betrayed. He does not see this process, but the glimpse of the anointing is what helps him through his process. God, God will give you an undeniable glimpse to help you to deal with the hell that comes with the promise. He'll give you a glimpse of the promise so you can survive the process. And he does this for everyone. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and I ordained you and I sanctified you. And then he says, you're going to be resisted. Be not afraid of their faces. But I want you to get a glimpse of what you were before you were born. So you understand that your ordination didn't happen among men. It happened in heaven. And I want you to see that you have been affirmed in heaven so you can deal with the pressures and the persecutions of men that will try to cause you to doubt your origin, doubt your anointing. Are you getting what I'm saying? He'll give you a glimpse to deal with the persecution. 
So the transfiguration is God's inner glory being visible on the outside. And God wants to give them this glimpse because they're about to go through a challenging time. You're about to see your Savior be beaten, mangled. You're not going to recognize me. You, you, you see me with the Beatitudes. You've seen me teach. You've seen me empty temples. You've seen me teach on the boat. You've seen me walk on the water. You've seen this side of me. Ah. But you're going to see my body ripped. You're going to see my flesh being ripped off of my body. You're going to see me with the crown of thorns. You're going to see my eyes swollen. You're going to see my lips swollen. You're, you're, you're going to see my body mangled. You're going to see me so weak that I can't even carry my own cross. I need Simon the Cyrenian to help me. But when you see me that way, I want you to remember this moment of glory that there's power that's coming after this trouble, that there's power coming after this process, that there's power coming after this discouraging moment. So he, he shows them his glory to get them ready, to get them ready and postured to handle the hell of Calvary. The Bible says that he would be unrecognizable according to Isaiah. They wouldn't even recognize him. The, the, it was so bad. He, he is the, the son of sorrows, the, the man of sorrows. Bible says that that there would be no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. What, what I'm trying to show you is that he was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Uh, he is preparing them because they're about to see God being punched in the face and spat on. And you need my glory to handle this. You need to see my glory because I'm not going through this in vain. There's glory after this. And what God does is he gives us a glimpse of his glory to help us through our process. And the disciples needed to see this because he's about to be unrecognizable. And he says, don't even 
tell this vision to anybody until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. He's transfigured, transformed. His, his change of form is consistent with his inner reality. That's what the word metamorpho means. What's on the inside is taking over the outside. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses, Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Now, why would Moses and, and Elijah show up? Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. And remember in the glimpse, I'm about to help somebody. People want to build a tabernacle in the glimpse. He said, let us make, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, Moses, and Elijah. What a great moment. But the glimpse, you can't build, a, you can't build your life in the glimpse. Somewhere you got to get out of the glimpse and go take up the cross. So the glimpse can be more than a glimpse. It could be permanent. See, the difference between temporary power and permanent power is the cross. So God will give you a glimpse of a temporary power to help you sustain what it takes for that to become permanent. But the temptation is we want to build a tabernacle in the glimpse and we don't want to go on to the gore. We want the glimpse, but we don't want the pain. So let's build a tabernacle. One for you, one for Moses, one for, one for Elijah. Let's just, it's good for us to be here. Let's just build some tabernacles and hang out in this glimpse. No, the glimpse is to lead you to fulfillment. And in order to get to fulfillment, there's going to be some hell on that journey of fulfillment. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hmm. Moses died. Elijah was taken away. There's nobody that has the power like Jesus has the power. Moses and Elijah will fade away but what will always remain is Jesus. And what Matthew is showing is that our fulfillment doesn't come in the law and the prophets. Our fulfillment comes in the man, Jesus Christ. Those things are going to pass away, but Jesus is going to remain forever. He is alive and remains. 
And Matthew is writing to the Jews and he's showing that I know your trust has been in Moses. Your trust has been in Elijah. But what I'm trying to show you is in this hour, the only hope that remains is Jesus Christ. He is the Logos made flesh. He is in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That word, the Greek word is the Logos, the plan, the thought, reason. In the beginning was the plan. The plan was with God and the plan was God and the plan was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Oh my word. In the beginning was the thought. The thought was with God and the thought was God and the thought was made flesh and dwelt among us. One commentator called it the science of God. You have to understand that, that the thing that's going to remain is Jesus. What Matthew is saying is that, that the law and the prophets were until John. Everything changed. Whenever John started preparing the way for the Messiah. Moses and Elijah, they communicated with those things which were before. Oh my goodness, are you getting it? They, they, they prophesied of the things which are before. Moses said that there's going to be a prophet like unto me that's raised up. Ooh. There's going to be a deliverer. But he's not going to deliver you from Egypt. He's going to deliver you from sin. There's going to be a prophet, but it's not going to be whew, someone that calls fire down from heaven to destroy prophets. No, what John said, that there's one coming after me that's mightier than I, who shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This is a different type of fire. This isn't the fire that destroys prophets. This is the fire that destroys sin. And there's one greater than Moses, and there's one greater than Elijah, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you don't have to put your hope in those things. The fulfillment of those things are standing right in front of you. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias shall truly first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto them whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was, came in the spirit of Elijah. We talked about it several chapters ago where I said, um, in order for John to bring in a new thing, he had to come in the spirit of an old thing. He had to get saturated with the spirit of something old to make way and prepare the way for something new. And it's the same way with our generation. We have to get back into the old spirit of prayer 
and fasting and discipline and study. And we get into those old things to bring in a new, new anointing, new glory, new power, new, new transformation. But it always starts with going back into something old to bring it to something new. So John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And that is just so amazing. But everything was leading toward Jesus and fulfillment. And so just as John suffered, Jesus is now prophesying to them that he also is going to suffer. John's death was uh, was quick. It was a beheading. Jesus' death is going to be very different. It's going to have agony. It's going to have pain. It's going to have mocking. John the Baptist wasn't mocked before he died. It was quick. The executioner did it very quickly. But with Jesus, this is going to be very public. John, he was killed in private. Jesus is going to be killed in public for all that to lay their eyes on him and to see him in that state. And so what I want you to understand is that Matthew is trying to persuade them that he is the new Moses that does not deliver from Egypt, but delivers from sin. That, that he is the, the new Moses. He gives them a glimpse of what he's going to be after the suffering. Bible says that those things <coughs> that we suffer that that it's going to work for us a more exceeding and eternal way of glory that, that this light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory there's glory after this Somebody needs to comment that. Somebody needs to share that. There's glory after this. And God will give you a glimpse of the glory. Moses, God will give you the glimpse of the glory. He'll show you his name. I am that I am. He'll allow you to see your hand turn leprous. He'll allow you to see the stick turn into a snake, he'll give you the glimpse so you can deal with the resistance from Pharaoh. You see, you got the word, you got the glimpse, you got the, the milk and the honey of the promise, but do you see Pharaoh resisting you? Do you see the plagues? Do you see the death angel? No, you don't see that but he gives you the glimpse to get through the resistance, to get through the process of pain. And Jesus will always give you a glimpse. He'll show you your calling. Let me tell you something. When God told me my calling, he said, give up basketball. You're going to preach my gospel to the nations. And he showed me people of all, all ethnicities and nationalities passed out in the Holy Ghost. 
I have knocked over this book like a thousand times. I'm telling you what. There again. A word to the broken. Go get it. I remember God showed me a door, an ancient door. I had a vision. I had a vision. I was raking leaves at an elder minister's home, just trying to help everywhere, any way that I could. This elder was older. He was an elder minister. I went to his house to rake leaves, putting the leaves in the bag. And while I'm putting those leaves in the bag, God gave me a vision. And he gave me a vision of an ancient door, an ancient wooden door with cracks in it. And there was like a keyhole that you could see through. And I looked through this keyhole. And on the other side of this keyhole, I saw... Asian, Spanish, black, white. I saw every ethnicity on the other side of that keyhole, on the other side of that door. And I saw them passed out in the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues. They were on their backs, just speaking with tongues under the glory, under the glory of God. But this door was separating me from getting there. And I could see in the keyhole, they're just speaking in tongues, all nations on their back, just the glory of God was so strong. And I remember trying to open the door and I couldn't open the door. I'm like, how do I get to that? And while I'm trying to open the door, I felt a, a strong breeze on my back that was coming from behind me. And it was so strong, I moved out of the way. And when I moved out of the way, a wind came and blew that door open. And that door would not close because there was a continual wind that was blowing. And I realized that to get there, it's not going to be from my own capabilities and from my own power or intellect or strength that in order for that glory to fall, I need to make room for the wind of his spirit to come through and blow open that door. And he gave me a glimpse. He gave me a glimpse gave me a glimpse of this gospel going to all nations. And so when he told me, give up basketball, you're going to preach my gospel to the nations. I got the glimpse. Thank God he just showed me a glimpse because if he would have showed me the hell, I don't know if I would have gave up the comfort of hundreds of thousands of dollars and the comfort of the of, of a basketball career if he'd have showed me the hell i don't i don't know if i would have said yes 
but he gave me the glimpse, and the glimpse got me through the hell. God has given you a glimpse to get you through the pain of process. Something about the pain of process that really transformed transformed me. The word that he gave me on the inside has, has went through a, a metamorphosis, the metamorpho, the inner reality of unconditional love and what he gave me. It's being shown in my behaviors. It's being shown in my life. I thank God for the glimpse. The glimpses, I think the glimpse is still keeping me. And once you start getting the first fruits of the reality that 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 glimpse is real, there's nothing that can talk you out of what God said. Every nation, every kindred, every tongue. Thank God there are people from a hundred different nations that listen to this podcast. It's just a little bit of the fruit of a glimpse. But it allows you to get through the difficulties, the storms, the trials. Jesus had to show them this glimpse because what what he was about to go through uh, what he was about to go through was going to be so traumatic it it would be difficult to remember remember anything that he said or did for the past three years if they didn't get that glimpse. And when Peter saw Jesus' body, when he saw Jesus bleeding, he said, I don't know him. The one that was, Jesus was speaking so clear on the mountain. Now he's silent before his accusers. I, I, I know not the man. The one that went in boldly in the temple and flipped over tables. It said, woe unto you scribes, woe unto you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you, you vipers. Now to see him hunched over, bleeding, body being destroyed. I, I don't know him. Didn't you walk with him? I don't know him. Didn't I see all together? I don't know him even cursed because what I see, my eyes are deceiving me. Don't even recognize the Messiah. The Messiah I knew would, would bring a coin out of a fish's mouth. The Messiah that I knew 
would put mud on somebody's eyes and cause them to see. The Messiah I knew would speak in parables and have beautiful things to say. I don't know him. And he denied him three times. Until. Denied him three times until. When that. That cock crew. When that cock crowed. He remembered the word that Jesus spoke to them. And the Bible says he saw Jesus. He made eye contact with him. And the Bible says he wept bitterly. Why, why did he weep bitterly? Because he not only remembered the word, he remembered the glimpse. There's glory coming after this. Anybody listening to me right now, there's glory coming after this. Don't let go of the dream. Don't let go of the vision. Don't let go of what God has spoken, no matter how mangled it looks, no matter how ripped to shreds it is, no matter how contrary the circumstances, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how, how far it seems you are from it, I beg of you, do not let go of the glimpse. The vision is still true while it's getting ripped to shreds on a whipping post. There's still glory coming after this. While you're seeing it limp to Calvary, there's still glory coming after this. While you're seeing it being smitten and sped on and, and, and walked on and kicked and broken and mocked, the glimpse is still real. The glory is still real. There's something coming after this. No matter what the dream looks like right now, I want you to take confidence that there's glory coming after this. He gives you a glimpse to help you get through the pain. Hold on. Something is coming out of this. The dream is still alive. The vision is still true. It shall come to pass. Everyone likes to quote that scripture, that it shall come to pass afterward. That, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall, shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Joel was prophesying that while the locusts were eating his crop. While everything is happening wrong, there was a famine. The locusts and the canker worm, it was eating up all the crop. It ate up their whole harvest. And while there's locusts eating everything around him, he's prophesying with locusts coming all around him. He's prophesying, it shall come to pass. There's glory coming after this. You got to learn to prophesy harvest while the locusts are eating up your present harvest. You got to learn to prophesy hope while everything is you got to do what Abraham did who hoped against hope where there was no reason to hope he still hoped. You have to learn to still believe in the glimpse when everything is showing itself contrary to your life. I'm telling you the word of God shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. You need to speak it with, 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 
ver ver veracity today. It shall come to pass. What is my assurance? I got a glimpse. Before you go into the promised land, he'll first allow you to get some grapes. He'll bring some grapes back from the promised land to give you a glimpse of there's more where that came from. He gives you a glimpse of the grapes before you go in and get the honey and the milk. But he's trying to persuade you, get through the hell, overcome the discouragement, overcome the doubts, overcome the fears. The grapes are the evidence that what God told you is true. What God told you is real, but you've got to get the courage to get through the pain, the neglect, overcome the bitterness, overcome the resistance to get to the other side. It's real. It shall come to pass. Matthew is showing us the metamorpho, the inner reality overtakes his body and gets them prepared for the pain of what's coming. But there's glory after this. There's always glory after the cross. Thank you for joining us. I pray that you have been blessed by the word today. Share this with somebody. You can listen to us on Apple, on, on Google, on Spotify, uh, anywhere where podcasts are mentioned. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Bible Centered with Victor Jackson, where you can rewatch this video over and over. But share this with somebody. It's going to help. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.